We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, Hornets fans? BuzzBeat Podcast, episode 90. Just a reminder, we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Network, and be sure to check out the website, bluewirepods.com, for more content. This is Richie, and I'll be joined, as always, by Spencer and Brian. Follow us on Twitter, uh, myself, at Richie Randall, at QCH Spencer, and at BGeis underscore Bird. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, the show's uh, handle is at BuzzBeatPod. Just to bring you guys up to speed on the current standing of the Hornets, Hornets are currently in seventh place in the East at 26 and 26, back to 500. Feels like it's been too long since we've kind of uh, gone one game up, one game down, and now we're back at 500. We've been below it uh, for what seems like forever now. And then just some quick stats Charlotte is 11th in offense. We're down to 20th in defense, and um, the Hornets have won two straight games, going for the third straight win uh, against the Clippers on Tuesday, and have won four out of their last six games. Although, some of these teams that they've played have been on the bad side with Memphis and New York and, <laughs> and Chicago, and it seems like it took three or four quarters just to kind of put them away. Also, a quick bit of news, uh, Kimball Walker was named an All-Star starter for his first time in his career, but this is his third straight All-Star game. Feels good to see that, and I know it probably means more to him and more to us as fans that it's actually in Charlotte. And then also, the trade deadline, rapidly approaching 3 p.m. Eastern this Thursday, so we wanted to hop on here and talk about the Hornets as they head into the deadline. So this podcast is going to be centered around the trade deadline, but more specifically what the Hornets are going to do. All right, let's jump into episode 90. Spencer, I'm going to kind of toss it to you first. As the deadline approaches, what do the Hornets need to do? Or better put, what can they do? I know that seems like a simple question, but what, what are the options out there for the Hornets as we approach this deadline? Um, yeah, they, they don't have a lot uh, in terms of options, but you know, in terms of need, um, you know, they need to do a, they need to do a few things, you know, kind of at the same time. I mean, that's the ideal scenario. They need to get off money, which I, th- I think really should be like priority one a, and then one B is, you know, find something in terms of salary coming back that can help you on the court this season. Right. feels like we've been talking about this same kind of trade for like the past three, you know, or four trade deadlines. 
uh, for the Hornets because they've, they've been in a weird cap situation. But, um, you know, they have $3.5 million under the, under the tax line right now. They have an open roster spot. Um, so just, just not much, much flexibility. That open roster spot is, is probably, you know, that's really the kicker here and something we'll talk about later. How likely is it the Hornets make a trade by Thursday? I, I would say it's probably 50-50 right now. But if they don't, there's almost a 95% chance they're gonna they're gonna be in the in the race for a buyout candidate before mm-hmm. March one. It's just really just a matter of them convincing candidate X to come to Charlotte, right? Um, so they're gonna do something in terms of a roster addition uh, be- between now and March one. But you know, we talk about the trade deadline. It's just this team to me. Again, priority 1A should be getting off money. I mean, you're going into a summer where you want to re-sign Kimball Walker. He's said he wants to come back. Well, in the past two weeks here, the Anthony Davis uh, news has created a landslide you know, across the league. And really what, it's, what it means is you have a team like New York <clears throat> who's – and this has to do with the Davis deal too, right, or the Davis news. A team like New York trades Porzingis. Now they have two max – cap slots yeah. uh, in New York where they can sign a seven to nine year max guy and then a 10 plus or a nine plus year max guy. And so that changes the game for like a guy like Kimball Walker to me. And now if you're the Hornets, I think the desperation you should feel to get off enough money where, I mean, look, you can pay Kimball whatever you want because you have his full bird rights, but you're not going to pay the tax, right? So now you really have to consider a salary dump trade because with New York sitting there with two max spots, that increases the odds of Kemba saying, no, I think I need every dollar available. Where I think we've talked about a lot on this show of Kemba maybe considering doing the Hornets a favor because he wants to stay in Charlotte and taking you know, some kind of Kyle Lowry deal or something along those lines. I think with all this movement you're going to see this summer, I think the odds of that have gone down. I think if you're Charlotte, right. you, you should really try to cut off as much money as possible and still feel like you can stay under the tax and also re-sign Kimball Walker next season. And that's where this trade deadline becomes important for the Hornets to yeah. me. And I, I think that's the predicament that we're in because I think we, we can all agree that the, the organization has entered this season saying we're not trading Kemba. Kemba has said all the right things. But the predicament mm-hmm. comes in if you're trying to send out future salary, dump some salary – you're probably going to be mortgaging some future assets. And to kind of convince Kimba to come back, you can't you can't just completely just give away salary and just hope draft picks are going to be what helps us. It We also have to compete. I know that word I, I use lightly. We have to compete this year to kind of convince Kimba to stay with us, I would think. And, you know, just trading away money, I'm not sure that's going to be enough to kind of convince Kemba in the long run. So it really is a predicament that Charlotte is in because, like you said, Spencer, we have to do a lot of things at once. We have to get off salary. We have to you know, bring back some assets to help us compete this season. And really, that's that's going to be a very tough you know, thing to do. And I mentioned this prior, and you guys did too, but I'm not expecting it by any means, but it wouldn't shock me in the least that if we didn't do anything between now and Thursday. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you, do you guys play chess by any chance or occasionally? Have you played before in the past? <laughs> I've played. I don't. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not a chess guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I like chess. I'm not that good. It's been a while since I played, <laughs> but I, I used to be a, a, used to play a lot more when I was younger. You know, it doesn't feel like the Hornets have been quite checkmated here yet. You know what I mean? But it, it feels like they're just constantly in, in check. It's just like it's it feels like yeah. they are constantly the move they have to make 
is one that is reacting to the other external forces. They're never in a position of strength. It feels like mm -hmm. they're always making a move to cover up for the to that will, you know, will in, in the short term will give them a little bit of relief or a little bit of added value um, to sort of make up or make do for um, uh, a, a recent another another recent transaction of the past. And I'm so sick of them playing that game. I'm so sick of it. It's but it is um it's just like they've got the, I, look I don't know what the best thing for them to do here is but these list of objectives of like you know they got to be able to get off money and they've got to be able to like maybe bring back someone that can help them win a little bit this year and they've only got you know they're 3.2 million below the tax line and it's just like man they don't have they, it, it it's not possible for them not. to do all of this stuff it just isn't mm -hmm. unless they were totally flippant with draft picks which in my opinion that's the only. That's the last thing they can do. So my goals are, are maybe, maybe, maybe they 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 hurt. They will they will be bad for Charlotte going into the off season with Kemba as an unrestricted free agent for the first time in his career in New York, perhaps looming as a as a as a superpower in a landing spot for uh, for Kemba. And we'll see what happens with Anthony Davis between now and then, and with the draft lottery, with with you know wherever Zion's going to end up. Like all that stuff's going to matter too. Um, but I just, I just don't think they can throw, they can throw more bad money at, at a problem that's already like the roster, the way it is constructed, this is a sunk cost and to continue to try to angle and pursue so you can maybe get up to the sixth seed in the East as opposed to the seventh seed. So you can lose to a different team in the first round. And so you, whatever you're going to end up doing so you can, you can offer Kemba to, you know, a, a ton of money in the. In the off season, I just I'm fine with them sitting pat because I just don't. It feels like they dig the hole a little bit deeper every time. Um, even though I even though I think, you know I think um, you know Cupcheck did some nice stuff this past off season and you know finding ways to add draft picks and and you know, I think Miles Bridges and, and Devonte Graham were good draft picks as well too. Yeah, I just. They got to play this thing close to the vest, unless mm -hmm. there's anything that that really can check off a couple of these things on the margins at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with them. I'm fine with them sitting pat, maybe looking for a buyout person. Because um, I mean, obviously the roster needs help. You know, if they're you know for the for a postseason run or whatever. But yeah, I just don't. I'm just I'm a, I'm a little queasy because there's just there's there's a lot of like external factors. Right you know, now. you know, most Hornets fans, if we sit pat at the deadline, are going to be like so upset they're like what are we doing like we've, we've got to make a move and we've talked about mm -hmm. that before through text just like it just feels like there has to be something that you know gets done but i did, I did like your uh, chess analogy almost as good as the chess analogy in the wire but uh <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost good, good. Right? but I, I like it i like it throw out another question here spencer Bryan, whoever wants to take this one but is there something that you want the hornets to absolutely avoid doing at the deadline maybe it's a specific player or just kind of some kind of strategy as they approach the Thursday deadline? Is there something that you just don't want to see happen? I, I probably would. I mean, I, I say this, but I, I, there's also a few players that are an exception. Um, I, I would like to see them avoid taking on some long-term money yeah. um, that, that you know creeps into the $20 million range. Really, there's only one player that, that I've kind of been um, hammering on for the past week or so that the Hornets should be willing to take a chance mm -hmm. on it if that opportunity came available, and that's Drew Holiday. You know, I would, yes, I, I would do, I would listen to New Orleans' demands there. Um, although I think they are too high, 
just because I think that he would really, really move the needle. I mean, Kimball Walker, Drew Holiday, all of a sudden, like you're the top of the Eastern Conference in terms of backcourts. Those um, guys are those guys are made. They're meant like they would be a perfect. Yeah, perfect you're, port, you're you're like Portland East. Then. Yeah, I mean, you're, exactly. you're like Lillard, McCollum, kind of, and Drew Holiday. I mean, he's, with defense. Def- yeah. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. He he's a top three two way guard in the entire NBA, probably, and um, you know, true two way guard. So. That would really be the exception. It sounds like New Orleans is like, nah, we're good right now. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of teams have inquired about Drew Holiday. You know, I, I wrote this in the Queen City Hoops piece that, that went live today about the trade deadlines. I, I, I think there's a little bit of uh, let's see if somebody calls New Orleans bluff before the deadline on Holiday. I, I think they'll hang on to him until the summer just because I think AD is top of their priority list in terms of moves. But um, they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot because I think there are some desperate teams out there that really want to get this done and improve right now this season. They could actually extract more from Drew now than they would be able to this summer. And I understand their logic. You know, they they want to know what the draft order is. They want to involve picks, blah, 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 blah. And, and New Orleans also holds more value in Drew because they structured his contract in the way Charlotte should have structured Batum's contract, mm-hmm. where, it, where it levels off. It actually dips next season and then dips barely back up the season after. So... All those factors play a part here, but um, outside of that, the Hornets don't need to take on long-term money. It, it just serves really no um, of no value unless it's absolutely the right candidate, and I, I, I can't find one outside of Drew Holiday for the Hornets. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Drew. He's like a like a six foot four Kawhi, you know, like that's how I think of that's how I think of his game. Just a total monster defensively and. And an outstanding offensive player, even when his I mean, his, his three ball hadn't really been falling this year. But yeah, Drew makes a little over twenty six million this year, a little over twenty six million in, in nineteen twenty, um, and then has a guaranteed final year in 2020, uh, 2021 of a little over twenty six million. And there's a player option for 2021, 2022. So yeah, he you know he comes, you know, he's not cheap, but this dude is really good. Um, he's basically you know. If you got him now, you get him for the remainder of his prime and then, like, the downslope of his career. But he does seem to be past injuries and stuff like that. Like, I'm all here. Like, I'm – Spencer, I'm with you, man. Like, he's the one guy that I would throw a little – like, I'd throw a little caution to the – I know I just said about how I want this team to sit <laughs> pat and play safe. But, like, Drew Holiday is a a great basketball player and, like, a good human being and just basically a national treasure. So, like, I would be sort of willing to – uh, part ways with, you know, uh, you know, a couple things, you know, monk, a pick, whatever, like that. I'd, I'd be a little interested. I'd, that I'd get a little more interested in that, uh, just because I think he and Kemba d- together would be would be really really fun. And he and MKG defensively, like that would be awesome. But the only thing, so back to the back to your question though, Richie. Like my only thing with them is just don't. I, I agree with Spencer. I'd like to see them not add long-term salary with the exception being drew holiday and i don't want them parting ways with a first round pick like i said this we banged this thing over the head going into the draft last year like they need young good players in the pipeline you know we're still who knows where we're gonna land with malik monk miles bridges we really like but who knows where you know does he max out as a third option or a, a fifth starter or you know can he be a an all-star level, you know, forward. I mean, who, who knows? And they just need as many, even if it's in the middle of the first round, like they just need, they just need more cranks at the slot machine, you know? So that, that, that would be, that would be my big thing is I don't want them parting ways with, with first rounders because they just, 
this is a, this is a team that is so starved for young talent and depth, and um, they just can't afford to just miss out on the draft for a year to get some guy that's going to marginally marginally impact this team's ceiling and maybe won't right. even swing a first round playoff series. Like how dumb is that? So that would be my one thing that they have to avoid doing. You wonder though, like if you know if you're saying we can't part with first round picks how big of a trade could we make it clearly it's not going to be big enough to compete i keep i keep using that word you know loosely there compete a little bit better than we are and i think that you know kimba to convince him like wouldn't you think that we would maybe need to get a player that is of value even if we have to part ways with the first round pick i know that's you know again we can't do everything at once with all these different kind of things that we're trying to do at once and i i don't know i just it, it seems like this this trade deadline is probably going to be a little bit underwhelming as a Hornets fan if you are actually going it going into it trying to be intelligent about it. And yeah. I think there are a lot of players on this team that have a little bit of value, but just nothing great, nothing great that actually can bring something back. Well, I, I, yeah, if you want to like dig really deep, like I I agree. I think this trade deadline is probably going to be underwhelming if you expect a, a big splash from the Hornets. But if you want to dig deep and think about moves the Hornets can make to potentially move the needle significantly but also really roll the dice like you gotta you gotta look at names like Aaron, Aaron Gordon like I think that's mm. one in Orlando where hmm. you know Charlotte could put together a package that looks like MKG Malik Monk and Frank Kaminsky right and that's and, and now you're talking about those are basically even salaries going in and out and and then you get Aaron Gordon I mean just signed a new deal um, I like Aaron you know Gordon. His, I like his, Aaron Gordon. his deal decreases you know Orlando was very smart when they when they gave him that contract, that they did it on purpose so they could trade him later. I don't think they want to trade him this soon, but um, there's a guy you, you go out and get now, right? And and you throw away a prospect or or maybe a pick if they value that above Malik Monk, which they might. And then you and then you say, look, Kimba, here's we try like we want to improve this team. We want to give you a second guy. I would say the jury's out about Aaron Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. But you had, or maybe you put Marvin Williams in that deal because I think Aaron mm-hmm. Gordon is a, a true power mm-hmm. forward, and obviously Marvin Agreed. Williams. But so, anyways, I think there's different ways you can structure it. Gordon's number is 21 and a half this year. I, I think Charlotte doesn't have like great filler salary, but it, 21 and a half isn't 30, right? So I think they can they can get there fairly easily. I mean, you could do MKG or you could do Marvin and Lamb, you know, and yeah. for for Aaron Gordon in a first round pick or or maybe two seconds, whatever. You know, Orlando really thinks, but like that kind of trade is is the one I'm talking about where, you, you know, you're getting off. You're not really getting off salary, but you, you're you're making your roster better, younger um, going into the summer when you're going to resign Kimball Walker. And you're also staying under the tax line this year mm-hmm. and really moving forward. It doesn't make your cap situation look worse. You might have to take on an extra minimum contract next year. Right. Um, or, or keep the both of those second round picks on your roster, uh, just for for the cap crunch purposes. But that's the kind of create creativity, mm-hmm. you know, that Cupcheck's going to have to try to think with. But that you know, those deals just don't happen ever. So, yeah, no. I, I I like I like Aaron I like Aaron Gordon. If they could find a way to bring him in without, you know, Orlando's just a tricky partner because they're competing for the same playoff seeds that the Hornets are right now you know that's the other question you know are right like how are they going to approach this week are (laughs) they actually gonna are they going for it or I think they should be trying to trade and they're three and a half games out of the eight seed but you know right well I mean mean, you could say the same thing I mean the Hornets are they're in the playoffs yeah you know they're seventh (laughs) of the east but like the 
the uh, the grand irony in this, and I'm sure we've 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 brought this up before, but like the grand irony in all of this for Hornets fans that may want to go try to swing and go get a big piece, like. Kemba is the best guy that should conceivably, or like one of them, you know, like if, if Brad Beal were made available, um, Drew, if Drew Holiday were in fact available, outside of the, a guy like Anthony Davis, who's like an A1 blue chip top five player, like if the Hornets were existing in a normal, a normal ebb and flow, they'd be looking to, they'd be looking to trade Kemba, you know, yeah. we've talked about this before, but like, like, cause he's a great player, an all-star level player on a on a great contract that's expiring he's about to become more expensive you can fit on him on any roster he's a total badass great shooter plays with heart like he's the kind of guy that would fit literally anywhere you know we're talking about all this interest in mike conley that of, of memphis flipping him for to utah or something like that and it's like if kemba were made available he's that but just better and younger and uh-huh. at least for this one more year cheaper too you know I mean, look, we're past the point of no return with Kemba, right? And I yeah. do think, and I said this in the uh, Spencer, you can go ahead and get in here. And I said this in the, we can maybe maybe circle back to this too. I said this in the trade deadline piece that you put up at QCH this morning, Spencer. Like, if if they lost Kemba to nothing, it would be bad. It would be a really bad look for a lot of reasons this summer. But at least it would offer a clear cut. Like, okay, here's what you have to do now. You've got to rebuild. Right. You can't tread water anymore. Well, that's exactly right, and you know I know we've we've hammered that point home for a long time. Um, you know, year and this time last year we were all you know clamoring for them to trade him. It didn't happen. But look, like let for the for the sake of this exercise, let's all agree on the fact that the Hornets' number one priority from here until July fifth or sixth, uh, re-sign Kimball Walker, right? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. plays into your strategy at uh-huh. the trade deadline. I think the real question for the Hornets is. Do you make a trade like the one I just mentioned with Aaron Gordon or name your younger player on a long term deal that can significantly move the needle? You can find a a few of them throughout the league. Okay, do you do that to say to Kimba, look, we're all in, man. We want you back. We, We hear you when you say you want to be back. And yeah, we rolled the dice, but we rolled the dice because we want to improve this roster and we're serious about this. Or do you say well, he says he wants to be back, so our job here at the trade deadline is to trade Bismack Biombo for two second-round picks or our first-round pick to make sure we have enough breathing room to max Kimba out this summer when New York comes calling, to max him out at 12.01 on July the 1st, mm-hmm. knowing that we still don't have to pay the tax. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you understand what I'm saying with right. the differences there? It's like, And I think if Charlotte makes the salary dump move, which I think is totally in play because – this is what we've become accustomed to at this point, right? With their situation. If they make that move, then I think that the chances of Kimball Walker kind of sitting back in his chair and rolling his eyes and then leaving this summer, it, it goes up. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is the predicament with this trade deadline and Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan. I, if there was ever a time to just bite down hard and roll the dice, I would do it. And that's the thing, though, but if you do roll the dice and try to get someone like uh, Aaron Gordon or something like that, and then Kimba still leaves, then you're stuck with that contract for you know a longer amount of years and stuff like that. So it is a predicament. So if you try to get off, if you try to get off money, and then Kimba does leave, at least you have a little bit more money and flexibility to work with in the offseason. Not that Charlotte's like this free agent destination or anything like that, but 
Yeah, it, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. But, but like it, putting all your eggs in that basket and then watching him walk, even if you had an Aaron Gordon and then Kemba walked, at least you could go flip Aaron Gordon then, right? Yeah, and totally. still start over. Great so, trade chip. Like, great trade right, chip. Right. Actually. So like, so a deal like that just makes more sense because even if it fails, mm-hmm. then you have something you can work with. If if you dump salary and then Kemba walks this summer, I mean. Literally, you could put us three out there next year, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. it. They would be that awful, and that's fine. That now there's a clear path forward or whatever, but that's just going to look so awful. Yeah, for it, for this front office, if that ends up being the case, it's just like what what stinks from a negotiation standpoint. If you're the Hornets with Kemba, is like you're you're relying on like one of two things almost, which is like through one of three things. One is hope <laughs> just like just that like everyone all of a sudden just starts playing better bridges becomes a star blah, blah 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 uh the second thing is that you have the most money to offer right and that like charlotte is his home that's the other thing that you know you could say like dude we can offer you more money higher annual raises more years we'll build a bleeping statue of you outside the arena you can replace dell on the broadcast after the you know once you're done <laughs> You, you get to do whatever you want. You know, like it, you you become the man for us. You become Mr. Hornet. You're already the greatest player in franchise history. This just solidifies it. You know, or the third thing that you're asking is that he's just gullible to be to be like to be like, man, they made a deal for Aaron Gordon. Like they're serious about winning here in Charlotte. Like uh, finally, this is like the front office. This is the leadership I needed around me to like build build a team. Man, you're just at it's. It stinks that they just can't offer a better product. Although I suppose more years, more money, and you know, an amazing legacy. I assume that's great. It just seems like it's in. It's just inadequate for a guy that's this good, that's won this little, and that seemingly deserves a lot more. And are we going to regret the contract that we give him this offseason? I know that's a totally different conversation in itself. So. <laughs> If it's five, if it's a five-year max, yeah, it probably, you know, to an extent. <laughs> but like, and like, you know, the I was listening to this was, um, I think it was Zach Lowe and maybe um, it was Zach Lowe's podcast. I think it was with Howard Beck or some other guest that like a week or so ago. They were going through all-star teams and and doing like mid-season all-NBA teams. Guys, like Kemba's kind of like he's in consideration for that third-team guard spot. Yeah. By the way. Yep. If that happened, like I think the, the the first four are locked up, obviously with Harden and and Curry on the first team, and Lillard and Kyrie probably on the second team. But like with Oladipo hurt, Wall hurt, Paul hurt, Lowry's play down. Like it, there's just a path to Kemba getting on that third team, and all of a sudden him becoming a two hundred and twenty million dollar player. Mm-hmm. So like the, you know there there's some there's some mind there like the, there are some some trap doors that the Hornets could fall into, and look. Kemba deserves that money, especially since he's been just criminally underpaid the last couple of years, too. But, like, man, it, it, that would make things even more troubling if that, if, you know, it would be awesome to see Kemba make All-NBA, but it would have a pretty serious uh, kickback impact on the Hornets, too. But, uh, Spencer, when you brought up Aaron Gordon, it got me thinking about the 2014 uh, draft class. And I remember seeing this tweet yesterday. This is from... Uh, our friend, friend of the program, Baseline Buzz on Twitter, at Baseline Buzz. One of the best Hornet follows out there. He doesn't tweet as much as he used to, but I love this guy. Seriously, I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you guys if not for probably this guy 
helping distribute some of my tweets and stuff like that a couple of years ago. But his hypothetical involves the number one pick from the 2014 draft class. This was Nick Batum and Bismack Biombo for the Hornets going to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins and Taj Gibson. You've got Andrew Wiggins with that massive contract of his that is a, uh, a year longer than Aaron Gordon's and far, far, far more expensive. Yeah, any any sort of immediate, and you guys can check out. He, he went on, he tweeted out a couple, you know, ex, 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 explanation tweets after the hypothetical deal. I don't know. What do you guys? What do you got? Like, I, I'm not an Andrew Wiggins guy. I don't think there are a lot of Wiggins fans out there. But as a hypothetical, as a, a move that would be sort of checking that quasi second high profile but young player that can at least score you 20, maybe not mm-hmm. efficiently, but can score you 20 on a given night. What do you guys think of that hypothetical? Plus, Taj Gibson's a good veteran player. Right. I'm a little iffy on it. Um, I, I see the reasoning behind it. I think that, you know, I feel like his name is probably bigger than his play, that first overall pick, and I'm not sure I would do it. How many How many more years longer is it than the Batum deal? Just, just one more? Uh, oh, um, two, I think. I think right? Two more two, than Batum. Yeah. 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 It, it was a five, it's a five-year deal that kicks in, so it goes in from – and he, so 2023, okay. yeah, so it is two years long. Yeah, that yeah. makes me less likely to yeah. kind of participate in that trade. I mean, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I, I would be extremely iffy on it. Agreed. I, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that – I, I anytime, you can't tell me, uh, okay, you're going to get off Biombo and Batum, <laughs> but you're still not going to like this trade. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, kind of where I am. I, I just, yeah, Andrew Wiggins, I'm, um, I just, I don't know what he is. I don't think he knows what he is. I, I don't even know if the guy likes basketball. Yeah, I, I get, he, <laughs> you know, he, certainly gives off the, he certainly gives off that vibe, right? Yeah. He I mean, it's just that vibe that it's like, you know, and like, I mean, can you imagine it being 2022? You're paying this guy $32 million and you're on right. the hook for 34 the next season. This, yeah. Like, and, and, oh and this, this is what are we doing? The, yeah, and this and this is just like what the Hornets have done over the last few years, like the Miles Plumley virus. You know, they just keep taking on longer money to get off. You know, what mm-hmm. ended up putting them in a terrible cap situation. But so this is that same kind of idea. And sure, there's the, the chance. I mean, Andrew Wiggins could still pop. He has one game every two weeks where you're like, oh, well, yeah, well, why don't we see this like twice a week or something? You know. But um, I wouldn't. I would not gamble on that kid. I just wouldn't. Yeah, um, I, I agree. He. It's one of those things. It's like if he had shown a pulse at some point in his career, he'd be worth a gamble. But if that were the case, he also wouldn't be up for for tr- a trade. You know, <laughs> like that's the exactly. crux of it. Exactly. I I throw out a trade for you guys, okay. and this is like more along the lines of something that's realistic. I think at the deadline. So a deal like Biombo and MKG to Atlanta for Baysmore and Lynn. So, you know, you're exchanging contracts. I think there's a little bit more dead money on Biombo's deal than there is in baseball, but they both have uh, one more year after this. And then, you know, you're asking Atlanta to probably, you know, swallow MKG's player option next year and then Lynn's an expiring. So you, you have to throw Atlanta something. Would If we threw them our first-round pick for this year, which let's just say for the sake of the exercise, it's number, it's the 16th pick in the first, in the first round. Would would you do that deal to get off business money, um, to get a guy in Baysmore who I think is going to play right away, to get a guy in Lynn who can probably play next way we know he can play next to Kimba, with the, the lineups that uh, Borrego has been willing to run out there, that, you know this year Kimba, Lynn, 
Monk, uh, Marvin, and and Cody, or, or go even smaller. You know, like I think both of those guys from Atlanta help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you save a little bit of money in this deal, and but you just you, you know part ways with, with with your first round pick. I mean, obviously you would ask them if they'll take a second first, but if yeah. they're like, no, we'll do this deal, but you got to include the 19 first round pick. Do you say yes or no? It's tough. You said MKG is involved in this deal. Yes. Yeah. See, Kali, I, I I like MKG way too much to kind of do that. I know it's very beneficial to get off Biombo's deal. Um, I know that him and Bazemore have that contract next season, but you know Bazemore is more productive to me, and I don't know how Lynn would fit on this team. I know that he can play besides Kimblin and stuff like that. He can shoot the ball from from deep, and he's an expiring. But giving up a first round pick, I just feel like it's. Not a lateral move per se, but not enough to say, hey, I'm going to throw in a first round pick to get Baysmore instead of Biombo and then have an expiring in Lynn. Um, what are your thoughts, BG? Yeah, the, you know, as I said earlier in the podcast, like the first round pick makes me queasy. Although you can, there are some very like tangible benefits, right? You, you know, Baysmore is a little more expensive than Biombo last year, but obviously getting, shedding the, the player option for, for MKG, that'll, that frees you up a little bit of, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit of wiggle room, which is, that's that's an added benefit. Um, then you don't have to pay, you know, a first round, you know, that that first round pick. So that saves you a little bit of money there too. And, and maybe you think you did so well in 2018 with with Bridges and Graham that maybe you think, hey, it's okay if we if we sit out or you know we sit out around. Man, I, I you know, I, and you know that if you're picking in that range, you know, it could be a good player. Like it could be Trey Jones. You know, it could be Nasir Little. You know, it could be Kevin Porter Jr. It could be Nikhil Alexander Walker. Uh, it could be Jante Porter if he actually, you know, if, if if he actually fell that far, you know, he might he might get gobbled up in the top ten depending on his health. But um, he's sort of the guy that I'm I'm hoping falls to the to the Hornets in the middle of the first round here because I think he's really good. I gun to my head, I'd say no. Yeah. But I admit to being overly cautious when it comes to moving first round picks and maybe not seeing the full benefit of getting off money so you can maybe add add pieces this summer to help improve your odds of re-signing Kemba, even though I see that as a as a scenario, you know? So so here's another one. And it involves the same team. So good good uh kind of parallel example here. So Bismack and Lamb for Jeremy Lynn, Dwayne Dedman, and then you throw Atlanta two second-round picks as well. So in this yeah. deal, the Hornets save about $3.5 million. You know, Lamb's on expiring. You get off business money. Lynn and Dedman are both expiring. So you got to throw them at least two seconds, right, to, to get off mm-hmm. all that money. That's a no-brainer, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I, I do that. I, I do that because – so you had Bazemore and Dedman coming to Charlotte? Or you say Lynn. Lynn, 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 yeah, which makes yes. it better. And yeah, no doubt, um, yeah, I do this. De- I, I, I wrote, I mentioned Deadman as a guy that I that I like a lot, as a guy that could help the Hornets. Yeah, I wrote this yesterday. One and a half blocks per thirty six minutes, thirty eight percent on threes. He's shooting over seventy percent on on basket rolls off the out of the pick and roll. Like yeah. I think he, I think he's a guy that would help. And again, they need help with the five right now too. It gives them a little offense and and a little bit of rim protection. Like I'd be all I'd be all for that because I think it helps improve the roster. It, it's checking a couple boxes, which said it improves the roster on the margins a little bit for this season, and you don't cough up a first round pick, and you know you get a little bit of cap relief heading into to 2019 too. 
maybe with Lynn, maybe with Tony Parker already on the roster, there's like, you know, Lynn's yeah. at, at value is diminished a little bit. But like, hell, he Borrego's been playing three has played three point guards plenty this season already, or three mm-hmm. small guards with with Monk and and TP and, and Kemba. So right, I think maybe, he fits right I, in. Know, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like Lynn's got Lynn likes playing here. He likes playing next to Kemba. Yeah. He has fans here. Yeah, like I, I would be all for, that deal is like ex- like that would check basically all the boxes I'd like to see from the Hornets. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Atlanta would do it, but I would do it in a heartbeat. Spencer uh, having Deadman on this roster, he would instantly become you know the backup center. Uh, he can you know pick and pop. He can use that pick and roll. Um, he's shooting 39% on above the break threes. He's shooting well right. from the corners as well. Definitely a good asset to have, and he isn't expiring if uh, you don't want anything to do with him next year. So let's talk about a player that's more high profile in Gasol. So obviously him and Conley's name have been out there in terms of being open for trade talks. And unfortunately, at least in my opinion, I think it would require a first round pick, especially with what we have to offer. I'm not sure we can create a package that wouldn't require a first round pick. You guys might think otherwise. And I know that we've tossed this around with Lamb, that's $7 million, Biombo, $17 million, and then I would say the first round pick next year for Gasol. Um, if you guys have another hypothetical trade, I think this is definitely a, obviously a win now move. Um, and you hope by acquiring Gasol that you would secure that playoff spot and that first round pick wouldn't be in the lottery. And then, you know, we're getting off, we're not getting off beyond Bo's contract, but just the fact that, like you said, he's kind of a little bit of a dead weight. Um, but I do think that first round pick would need to be included. You know, Gasol is a great player, uh, can shoot from the elbow, shoot from uh, the three point range, but he is kind of declining you know, the past couple <laughs> yeah. of months, and yeah. I don't know if that's the situation or maybe his age or a combination of both, but he definitely has the skills that I would want on this team, and it would signal a win-now move, but you know, it, it mm-hmm. could cost you a first-round pick. Well, you know, I think there's a few important things to consider in, the, in this hypothetical deal. One is Adrian Wojnarowski talked with Bobby Marks. Uh, I think his pod was on Friday uh, afternoon. They did a pod in they specifically brought up Gasol and then specifically brought up Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And, and Adrian said, like, look, I think this is a fit. I would watch Charlotte for Gasol. So <laughs> when Woj says that, you listen, right? Yeah, and you yeah. think, mm-hmm. okay, then there's probably a little bit of uh, – the teams have talked, obviously. So I am of the train of thought that this is one that could go right down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, you know, there's word out there that Gasol is actually kind of – you know, he's hoping for a trade. I think his agent's pushing for one. I think Memphis also wants to move him. They definitely want to move one. You know, I think Utah's hot on the on the track for Conley, but Conley's number's just really, really big, right? So Gasol mm-hmm. might end up proving to be easier to move. I think if this thing goes down to the wire, Biz, Lamb, and two seconds could get it done. Mm-hmm. Because I think Memphis they've they've clearly communicated to the league they're ready to pivot and move on and build around jaron jackson they haven't played the smokescreen game right they've said we want to trade these guys but here's what we want a mistake by memphis in my opinion um you know i know they want to get something but i I just like what are you going to get for gasol with his player option next year especially you know unless there's a team like a team that he would really resign with I, i can't come up with one off the top of my head but um charlotte ain't that so, you know, if if Charlotte is able to push push Memphis all the way to the deadline, I don't think they hold on to him. I think they do move him. And if he if Charlotte's one of those teams, like the only ones that'll make a deal, yeah. 
I think they'll take Biz Lamb in two seconds and say, screw it. You know, uh, and maybe Charlotte will be willing to part ways with their, their first round pick this year. I honestly wouldn't be that upset because I don't think it's going to be that good of a pick. And I don't like this draft very much beyond mm-hmm. the top five. But I would watch Gasol. I actually do not think this is out of the question. I think this is something that's realistic. Yeah, I would agree. I think that if you brought it down to the wire, yes, Spencer, they might get a little bit desperate and accept two second round picks. But who knows? We're probably not going to be the only ones in on this, um, I guess, Gasol sweepstakes and, you know, taking on Biz's contract next season, it might require first, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe we get lucky. Let me throw out one. It's not really a needle mover type of a trade, but I thought I'd share this one. So Lamb, two second round picks, 2019, 2020, both of them for Julius Randle and Darius Miller from New Orleans. Darius Miller, that might have to be like with the trade exception. I'm not sure if him being attached to this deal is going to be work money-wise, so it might be just a separate deal off the side. He's making $2 million a year. This opens up a roster spot for New Orleans, who are, if they're trading Anthony Davis, they're going to need open spots for those young pieces. I don't think Randall moves the needle all that much, but he's having a great season. He doesn't really space the floor all that much, but he can get to the rim. Good passer. Um, He can handle the ball, but he does have one extra gear than Lamb. What are your thoughts on that? Lamb, two second-round picks. Julius Randle, and then Darius Miller, who's not a Troy Daniels, but he can definitely shoot the ball from deep. The only thing is, it looks like, it looks like that deal, you need like half a million dollars um, going out of Charlotte in that deal to keep the Hornets under the tax. tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Golly. so it looks like it pushes them just over the tax. So that, that would be the one... Does it? Yeah, 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 I think it does. So that would be really the one trick is you just have to find like mm-hmm. a minimum salary um, to, to just make the math yeah. work. I mean, the trade works, but just to, like Charlotte's not obviously not going to do it. What are your it. thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, look, Randall's, Randall's been a beast this year. I mean, like, you know, the, in contention for sixth man of the year. Uh, he started a fair amount of games with Miritich Hurt. Uh, the dude is a total bowling ball. Um, he's a really powerful offensive player. The only thing in with Randall – you know, $9 million player option for next season. You know, you got to think this guy's going to decline that and try to go make way more money in free agency too. So that's like the one, it, you know, it, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're, you wouldn't keep him beyond this season, which yeah. Yeah, that's, that's certainly not a deal breaker for me. I'm interested you know, if you could, if you could figure out the money, as long as there isn't a, a first round pick flying yes, out the door. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the one kicker for me again. Yeah. I like it too because Julius Randle, you know, for the reasons BG just painted, is is an intriguing player. I think it's a little bit of a clunky fit just because you know he can obviously only play four. He can play five if you want, want to get really creative. But <laughs> you know, we have Marvin, we have yeah. a, a glut of centers. You know, it's just like I don't. It, it just gets crowded at that point in the front court. He definitely would get his touches though. Like it, like he like you know in moments when they need to take some heat off Kemba, like letting that guy face up and go to work. Mm-hmm. That that would work. I think, you know, defensively, I think it has some issues, but some lineups with Marvin and, and, and Randall as the 4-5, you know, however you want to divvy the, those responsibilities up. That, I mean, I'm interested in that, you know what I mean? I, I would say if you – what would be interesting, if you put Marvin in that trade over Lamb and then you replace Miller's contract with one that's a little bit more expensive to, to kind of make it more fair for New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then Marvin got a buyout from New Orleans and got to play for a contender, that would be interesting. Like, sorry, yeah. I'm thinking just way down the road here. But, I mean um, – that, that, And that makes more sense for Charlotte too because then you just slot Randall in at power forward. 
Yeah, yeah so maybe like uh, you know, like an Etwan Moore or a Wes Johnson salary or something. You know, yeah, maybe something, something like, like that. something in that range. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, that's like the thing that you know no one can you know it's not a realistic scenario, but like Marvin could help basically any title team out there, right? He's played yeah, he's exactly. played freaking awesome this season. Um, he's totally indispensable to the Hornets unless they got back a guy like randall that you could at least say you know he's not going to give you the shooting or the leadership perhaps like marvin but he just brings you like the raw scoring production so yeah i don't know but uh, i'm interested i'd be interested in something like that you know randall is a name in in hell man new orleans should look to move him like they're not going to bring him back right you know what i mean like they they should look if they can get two second round picks for him that might be decent return you know there's so much they could do before thursday i know i know i know Crazy. Okay, we're pressed up against time, and I'm sorry that we didn't get to your projected mock trades. Uh, those of you that kind of sent those into the BuzzFeed Pod Twitter account, unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough time. But I do want to give a little rapid fire real quick. If there was one player on this Hornets roster uh, that's most likely to be moved prior to the deadline, what would you say? I think if the Hornets make a trade, I think Biz is probably going to be involved in one way or another. Um, you know, again, there's really two scenarios. One is a salary dump. They need to dump his salary, really help him next year. Number two is if they go hunting for a big fish, uh, who's probably going to make a lot of money, you know, this year that you're going to have to match salaries with biz is Mm -hmm. the one salary that a team's going to take on. They're not taking Batum. So biz is really your next, Mm -hmm. uh, your next guest, um, to be involved in the trade. So I think it's biz. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you could probably make a case for Lamb or, or you know or, or some other smaller deal with Kaminsky as as a lower salary, but um, but yeah, I think one of those three guys probably uh, Biombo. Yeah, you guys mentioned it all. It's funny we just now mentioned Kaminsky, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved as well. But yeah, totally. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys, to episode ninety. Please give this a retweet when it comes out. Hornets play three times this week, twice before the deadline. Tuesday against the Clippers. Wednesday at Dallas, and Saturday at Atlanta. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support, and definitely give this a retweet when it comes out.